0: Dublin's Talking Sport with Ken Doherty and Reggie Corrigan
1: Sponsored by InsureMyCars.ie Low-cost car insurance specialists See how much you can save at InsureMyCars.ie On Sunshine 106.8 Sunshine 106.8 Sunshine Sunshine
0: 106.8
1: Dublin's Talking Sport
2: Welcome to Dublin's Talking Sports podcast with me Ken Doherty and my good friend Reggie Corrigan. Thanks for tuning in to catch up on the latest GAA football, rugby, and all the crack. Enjoy the show and don't forget rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Good morning, Reg. How are you? Welcome back.
3: Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, been been good. Um, good to be back. I have to say, it's been it's it's actually nice here this morning. Sunny, a yeah. uh, bit of uh, bright weather, so it makes me feel a bit a little, little bit better. How's your week been?
2: Uh, it's been good. Yeah, had a good time. Went uh, played in the pro am, golf pro am, up in uh, Sheffield. Danny Willett and uh, uh, yeah, it was really good. Up in his home course where he grew up, where I play uh, next to next to the city of Sheffield. Yeah, you know? it was lovely. We ended up winning the pro am. Oh, <laughs> it was a
0: good
2: day all
3: round. Nice one. <laughs>
2: yeah, Dan Walker was the co-host as well from the BBC. Well, he yeah. used to be from the BBC. Yeah, so it was a great day out. You know, fantastic. A lot of money but... the. Uh, Sheffield Children's
3: Hospital. You must be playing fairly well if he's won it. I'm
2: playing all right. I'm ready for you there. You're playing
3: you're playing enough, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, there's no excuses. Yeah. Maybe a little change of uh change of uh, sports, you and Join Parry at this stage on the seniors tour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> doing well, is he? He's yeah, doing very well. It's going well. Yeah, no. I mean, it's. Uh, he said himself, he had a couple of of mental blips around the course, but I didn't think so. I think what is he five or six hundred out this stage? He's not far off the off the running there in the seniors. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be talking to Johnny it was from the bogey. A, a bit of a washout the
2: uh, the Open last week, wasn't it? I mean, it's just yeah. uh, he was so good. Armand, that you know, we thought you might collapse a little bit and bring come closer to the field, but it never really happened. It was sort of a, a bit of an
3: anti-climax in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, terrible that we wanted someone to, to have a disaster <laughs> in the golf to, to make it interesting, but no, he did brilliant. There was one stage there where I think he d- uh, drove one into the ditch where the people were wondering would it be would that be the changing point? No, but yeah, it, brilliant. Came uh, back with a boardie. Yeah, champion golfer of the year as well um, after winning that 151st Open. So, uh, yeah, no, really, really good performance. But, yeah, the weather was brutal. I don't know how... Like, uh, playing golf and that ain't... is no fun. No, not at all. No fun at all. That's why I took up snooker. Right? Yeah, you're right. You're dead right. Um, what about tomorrow, the football? You'll be glued to that, I presume?
2: Oh, uh, Dublin Kerry. yeah. Uh, what a final. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be there, but I'll be watching it all right. You know, uh, yeah, she'll be a classic, you know. We grew up on the, you know, the great matches of Dublin, Kerry, you know, through hmm. the, you know, late 80s, you know, and uh, they always got, most of the time got the better of us, but now with and we've got three lads who are on the precipice of uh, GAA history, you know, with yeah. nine All-Ireland medals. I
3: know, unbelievable. There's a really
2: great article there about, you know, Spillane and Sheehy, that era who had sort of eight All-Ireland medals, you know, they thought that would... Was going to be unprecedented and it'll never happen again. Well, here we are. You know, you've got cluck, Clucks his son and Fitzsimmons and McCarthy. Yeah. You know, all with eight, All Ireland so on the precipice for nine. So it's an it, amazing achievement. Yeah, it's going to be a great match, great atmosphere. And uh, I'll be glued to
3: it. Do you think, um, I don't know what way to call it. It's funny, you know, I, I think a lot of people might have felt that Kerry just were edging it, uh, but I, was li- I listened to a lot of discussion during the week about it, and funnily enough, um, and I don't think it's any Dublin bias, but I just, it seemed to be a lot of the commentators were saying that they felt Dublin might get the job done, and, and I I don't, look, like, I I'm, I'm can't yeah. wait to hear Declan Drake's opinion on it a little bit later on, but uh, yeah. I can't call it at all, I mean, I, no. personally I was, I was leaning towards Kerry, because especially after that semi-final, I thought they were well and truly gone, and they just patient and relaxed yeah, and, they and stay found, they calm. Something at
2: the calm. Yeah, yeah, they did. They very, and yeah, they've got a much better side now than they had a few years ago. Uh, yeah. And a great forward line as
3: well. I've well, they have so Clifford as well and I mean, Clifford, yeah, yeah, you know, very, a, a, such a young player but I mean, yeah. everything revolves around them so I don't even, like. Mm. and I think the Dublin Defence is probably the one, not question mark, but it's certainly the area that people were saying needs to just Really improve for this game because Kerry are so dangerous in that area. But Mark and yeah. Clifford is going to be.
2: Yeah, will be tough. All right. I think it's going to be very close. I think there's only going to be a point or two in it. But I just think the strength of Dublin's squad and, and what they can bring on, you know, towards the latter stages, I think, might be the difference. And, the uh, yeah, hopefully, that they'll, they'll get the job done, you know. Well, we'll, we'll we'll Kerry listeners. I don't think show goes that far.
3: <laughs> and there might be a few of them <laughs> living in <laughs> Dublin, though, Okay, you know. <laughs> I think Probably we have more up than up, our share of Kerry lads.
2: Anyway, they're all up in Dublin already. Yeah.
3: So, uh, it doesn't matter what event you go to either, there's a Kerry jersey at it, so they're, they're, they're everywhere. <laughs> that's true, that's
2: true. <laughs> no. Even at the crucible, it was Kerry jersey. Exactly. Now, I think, to
3: be <laughs> fair, the Kerry uh, supporters prefer... When uh, the likes of us are talking and giving uh, credit to Dublin and saying that yeah. we think they're going to get, they love, they love that. Oh, they're they love like that, yeah. Yeah, they don't. Want, they, don't want they don't want to be favourites. They don't want to be favourites. Get some going. Get them going.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Now, they probably like the underdog uh, tag, you know, and they say, I'll let the Jackie and stuff up,"
3: you know. Exactly. And then Sheldon go out and perform and, uh, on the day.
2: But no, it should be a classic, classic final. I mean, the you know the two of the best teams in it and. Uh,
3: they'll be going head to head it'll be it'll be brilliant you know yeah no can't wait for it really can't mm. wait for it um, disappointing for the ladies wasn't yeah. it yeah oh yeah it was very disappointing I mean it was a, the dream start the goal from the corner you know maybe you'd say the goalkeeper was at fault for it but it doesn't matter it was a difficult one to, to, to deal with and you were sitting there watching it going well maybe and as it turns out um, Australia weren't quite the team we thought they were either no. so uh, oh, it's just so disappointing so disappointing yeah we,
2: if we had got something from that Australian game because it was quite tight you know Yeah, uh, it would have set them off and came close towards the dying minutes as well from a lot of corners in a row against Australia that if you had a, got a point against them you, you never know what could have happened and they were very very close you know there wasn't much in it even against the Olympic champions Canada you know and uh, they've got to try and salvage something now against Nigeria who, who overturned uh, Australia as well I but, it,
3: the, but uh, so I was just they win, s- they could qualify yeah I mean well uh, they're in the driving seat now Nigeria yeah. you know, the pressure is completely on Australia I see there's talk of uh, Sam Kerr coming back um for that game australia are, are really struggling you know that yeah. as the host as well there's the added pressure and everything sure. that goes with that but um i, I just thought with the uh, for for ireland yeah like you said the first match unfortunate penalty you know yeah. it happens and it was a kind of a soft enough penalty and an unfortunate one and okay. you lose that game where you could have got a draw out of it you yeah. go into the lead against the world champions who were looking a bit a little bit shaky Um, and again an own goal just uh, nobody's fault but just the bad look goes again by the way the weather what the story with the rain like I mean watching (laughs) it was unbelievable how bad the weather was so like it seemed like a load of different factors just conspired against us Um, Yeah, yeah. And, and a
2: few injuries as well you know yeah your I, little knee nitty- injuries didn't help either,
3: you know. I like the way they're not making excuses, though. No, and, they're not, no. Uh, You know, they're they're not kind of talking about the injury scares to Denise Sullivan and all that kind of stuff. They're just saying, look, we weren't good enough. But uh, yeah. um, I don't know. What What do you I think? think?
2: It's been great. It's been great for them. I think you know, it's great experience. that first one, you know, they don't really, you know, they they, they haven't been sort of having uh, a shine themselves at all by any stretch of the I thought they played valiantly and if they can get something out of the Nigerian game, they can come home with a lot of pride. Yeah. You know, and look forward to the next tournament because they've got a good squad of players there and, uh, yeah, hopefully they can get something from it, you know, but uh, but uh, they've been great for the nation, you know, and great to follow us. so...
3: It'll be interesting to see what way, I'm going to talk to Alan Cawley about this later on, mm. but uh, what way they go with selection because, you know, a lot have travelled over and some have no game time yet. We're playing Nigeria. The talk is we want to get something from that game, put out the best yeah. team. But it would be a terrible shame if there were players going over there as well that didn't get any game time. It's really hard to know which way to go on that one. What way would you yeah, go? Yeah, that's true.
2: Um, yeah, I'd like to give the girls uh, that they haven't played some, some sort of game time. You know that? If they weren't it, of course, you know. But, uh, yeah, it would be nice for them. Uh, and they they can afford to do it. I know they, they still want to get something out of it. But, they, you know, you after travelling all that way and qualifying, you'd want to see that somebody else gets some sort of game time, you know. And not just the, the select few. So, uh, it'll be a difficult one for a fair Power But I'm sure she'll be able to manage it well, you know. But it <laughs> would be nice to get something out of it. But they're a tough side, Nigeria. Very fair. strong, very athletic and yeah. skillful.
3: So it'll be, it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to know how you'd get something yeah. out of that if they're, if they're able to win that last game 3-2. But maybe they mm. might just might take their eye off the ball and, yeah, we could get, get something out of it. Um, mm. What did you think, the, I meant to say to you as well, last week, the All-Ireland Final, did you get to see much of it? like Limerick were a machine in the second oh, half. Oh, amazing. Oh, my Absolutely, God. Yeah, I just watched it, the second half, of how they, uh, they played. It was
2: just magnificent. Four in a row
3: now for them. Yeah, but that uh, second half performance came was unreal. unreal. Yeah, oh my god! Like you're going in, you're looking at it going in at half time, and uh, you're kind of thinking, Kilkenny, uh, you know, they're in a good place, three points in the yeah. lead, they're in a good spot here. Limerick look a little bit shaky. And I just never saw anything like that second half performance. It no. just came out like machines. And, and they never, I think they had one wide maybe. I was going to say they never missed it. like. But they were banging them over from the sidelines and from any oh, distance. From everywhere.
2: Yeah, it's so accurate.
3: But never it's missing. Brilliant. It was, no, no, it was just
2: amazing performance. It was amazing. Like,
3: like you in your prime up at the table. <laughs> Jesse,
2: you got a good memory, Reg. Yeah, I, I do. You know, yeah. <laughs> during the week? I, be qualified during I saw the week. that. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Five, four, 3 1 down.
3: Yeah, some comeback.
2: Love a comeback. Love a comeback.
3: So that's uh, that's a qu- so where where does that leave it now? Uh,
2: so I go to um, Nuremberg now for the European masses, um, and that'll be from the twenty fourth, twenty second to the twenty seventh of August.
3: Okay, yeah. that's it. Uh, that I've just booked me flight from the twenty second. <laughs> Yeah, just the one-night stays. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah.
2: Uh, I'm glad, actually, that young lad who got to the semi finals for the World Championships this year. All uh, right. CJ, wait, yeah, yeah, young 20-year-old, yeah, yeah so... There's Looking forward people. to that. Do you know I'll what I'll
3: put ask manners you? on him? I'll put manners on him. You will, I'm sure you will. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to ask you as well because I, I was chatting to someone about the, during the week and I heard it being discussed as well. The transfer market, of course, all that stuff is going on at the minute. But yeah. what do you make of Henderson and and going over to the Saudi and six hundred grand a week? Like, I mean, there's a lot of people saying he shouldn't be doing it, and you know, after all the talk that. He's had in the past and the LGBT rights in Liverpool and yeah. all that kind of stuff, and Captain's Armband and colours. What do you make of that whole setup?
2: Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an interesting debate, isn't it? You know, about everything that's gone on over there, sports washing and stuff like that, people and players that have spoken out about it. Mm. Uh, but yet yeah, they've gone to take the money. You know, yeah. he was earning 140 grand a week at uh, Liverpool, now he's earning something like 700 a week. Uh, and a lot of players are following suit. It's quite worrying, actually, in a way, because uh, there's not only sort of has-been footballers going there, there's a lot of footballers that are going there, you know, still, you know, they're, they're that they play, not in their prime, yeah, yeah. certainly uh, still well-capable of playing the Premiership. see Mitrovic refused to play for football, and his head's been torn. Fabinho may be going as well. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're causing a lot of traction at the moment, and uh, more players in Batley might go, like, well
3: but, but I the, suppose
2: like, you know the, yeah it's all about the money isn't it I'm But that's
3: what I was going to say to you like I mean there's there's yeah kind of have to question is all these things going on all the time in football and in all sports mm-hmm. about human rights and equality and fair play and you you know the list goes on and on and on and on but yeah. then when it comes down to it and somebody has to make a moral decision yeah, yeah. you know they just they go and yeah. all of that stuff is out the window I think that's where the biggest bit, bit of criticism seems to be coming in for Henderson like he was mm-hmm. using I heard someone saying during the week that he's going to probably use the Stevie Gerrard hooking up together back together type excuse but again it's just clutching at straws to try and justify where you're going
2: yeah yeah it is there's the moral the moral question you know but at the end of the day you know when the, the money is shown to them Reg you know their heads are torn straight away you know mm. and um you know, it wouldn't be for me, but you know. But then uh, you, uh,
3: you question: like, is there any point in having all of these? Like people, people will become very um, disillusioned with, uh, let's yeah. say, stands that clubs are making or equality or, you mm-hmm. know, all of that kind of stuff. And. Fans are just going to try, yeah, that's all very well until someone comes knocking at the door and then you're off, you're gone. Even the clubs themselves selling out, you know, uh, yeah. to, to big buyers. To get the money. To get the money, to to get get the the money, the money for the mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To golf now in what was a busy week last week, another busy week this week. Uh, I'm delighted to be talking to Johnny McCann from the Bogeyman podcast. Good morning, Johnny. How are you?
4: Morning,
3: how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Very well indeed. I um, have to say, I enjoyed the golf last week. Uh, Brian Harman, champion golfer of the year after winning the 151st Open. Conditions weren't great. I spoke to somebody during the week who was there on the Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. They said the Wednesday and Thursday were magnificent, but then it started to turn. But it didn't put Harman off, and he he held on well, in fairness to him. He did. He kind of
4: cruised the victory, to be honest. Yeah, made a major title. Uh, John Rand finished high per second alongside Tom Kane, Jason Day, Seth Straka, all at seven under. But really, it was a bit of a procession for Brian Harmon kind of from the fourth to fifth hole once he set the ship. It was just a, a nice little procession for him. He, he bogeyed the first two, managed to birdie the following hole, and after that, it just kind of looked looked all, all but
3: certain for him yeah he did very well 90 to 1 shot pre-tournament um, so for anyone that was backing him they certainly had a good weekend and, and a fairly e- easy weekend I think there was only one uncomfortable moment when he sort of drove off into the ditch uh, out, out the side into the ditch and uh, it was a little bit uneasy but uh, dealt with that well so um, yeah it's nice when you're on somebody that's cruising and not being uh, chased down too hard um, speaking of which the main, it's major major weekend both the ladies and senior t- tours as well this week the Monday, Monday Evian uh, Championship it's the fourth major of the season in the LPGA we had hoped that Stephanie Me- Meadow and Leona Maguire would be in contention I know this is a course that you visited back in May I think so you thought this course would be suiting the Irish players as well but it doesn't quite it's not qu- quite working out that way at the moment not
4: at the moment so the, the lead is currently held by Celine Boutier of France she's um, a, a bit of a bit of a killer really when it comes to the LPGA season so far She's already won once. She's got five top-five finishes. This is her home major. She's a Solheim Cup star. So she's really uh, primed to take the title this this, uh, this weekend. Leona Maguire's not doing too badly. She's currently in tied for ninth at uh, three under par, so she's five off the pace. Unfortunately for Stephanie Meadow, she's a little bit more off. She's tied for 39, plus three over now for her tournament. She's just began her third round. is about halfway through her third round. You can watch all that on Sky Sports at the moment. It is—it's a great watch. The weather has turned a little bit. It's gotten a little bit stormy. Winds have picked up, and yeah, as you mentioned, I was out there in May. And I was just doing a a, a recon, a little bit of a recce to see what it would be like for yeah. this major. Some people aren't a big fan of this major on the on the ladies' calendar, um, just because of the course set up and, and how difficult it does play. So I wanted to get, wanted to get uh, hands on myself, see how it is. And, the rough is very sticky, it's very, very tough, so there's a premium on hitting fairways. Not the longest track in the world, so that's why I thought Leon would really uh, play well out here. It's not too diff- different to her own course in sleeve Russell. so a lot of undulations, a lot of um, changes in elevations from fairways to greens, so I woke up that this will be where she'd be very comfortable.
0: Mm,
3: so uh, you, you just mentioned she's 300, so just five off the lead, when does Boutier uh, tee off?
4: is just hit off now, so she's one under par through three now. So she started the day at seven under. She she uh, chipped in for birdie on the second hole, par three. Um, it was a very lucky shot so, um, she seems to be uh, holding
3: on at the moment yeah for those if those things are starting to work for you already by the second hole you have to think it's going to be difficult to uh, catch her but uh, we'll see Leona can certainly keep uh, plugging away as you said the weather may be a factor in that ok the senior open is underway in Royal Porthcrawl in Wales um, as well uh, and that's, like it's, it's all the familiar faces from my era certainly um, I, I love watching uh, Miguel Angel Jiménez uh, still uh, holding the lead there at five under uh, and Porig of course had a, a magnificent round yesterday I read earlier this morning that he felt he had a couple of mental blips around the way but in general he was overall uh, happy with his performance and feels there's still more to come so uh, a good tournament
4: Yeah, great tournament and as you mentioned I think I on, took the, the Irish Legends Tour event that happened at Seapoint that's kind of the beauty with the senior tours the often they are faces that like, I personally grew up watching Having Darren Clark being the reigning uh, senior Open champion after winning it last year, it was, it's amazing to watch and see him, see him back in contention. Stephen Archer has actually just taken over the control of the lead now. So Miguel had a, a tough enough morning so far. Uh, so Stephen Archer holds the lead at four under par. Uh, Paul Laurie, the 1999 Open champion, is currently tied for fourth at one under par. So there's a little bit of a gap between uh, Stephen Archer and the rest of the pack. And yeah, as you mentioned, poor Anthony tees off now shortly, but he's one over par, just five off the off the total lead so far. And he, he's been an interesting one because he's actually got announced last week at the Open Championship that he's going to changing his schedule in a last minute bid to try and qualify for the Ryder Cup in September. No former captain's ever done that. No former captain has ever been a captain and then been picked as a player the following tournament. So if he was to
3: be picked, he'd be making a bit of history along the way. And uh, what's your thoughts on that, uh, Johnny? I mean, there, there's a number of people probably feeling the same way about the, the Ryder Cup, that there might be a, a, a good call for experience to be to be used in this one. But uh, do you think that, that it's a realistic possibility that Boric would get in there?
4: Personally, probably not. Okay. Um, he'd, he'd hate if I was to say that. Yeah. <laughs> but, he, he's had a very good season. I think if he had had a win on one of the main tours, like the PGA Tour or the DP World Tour, possibly the conversation would be a bit more open. So, a player like Justin Rose, who won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am in, in, on the PGA Tour, he'd be in the same kind of boat as Pork, where he'd be a senior player. He'd be someone that people would look to for just like a steady hand or a bit of experience when it comes to Ryder Cup. Because it looks like it's going to be a, a very young team from the European side. Mm. A lot of a lot of rookies, like. Seth Straka, who we mentioned earlier, he's um he's someone that looks very likely to be played to Robert McIntyre, the Scottish player. He he's never played a Ryder Cup before, he's currently in the qualification spot. So to match all these players that have no Ryder Cup experience, I don't think it would hurt to have someone like Pork or Justin. Do I personally think it'll be Pork? Possibly not, mm. but I do think we need someone of that kind of experience and, and, and ilk in there to just kind of lead, lead the younger guys a little bit.
3: Yeah, well, okay, time will tell, but uh, he's certainly blazing trails on that senior tour. He's playing magnificent golf at the moment, um, so you never know. I suppose he knows best, and if he's uh, putting his schedule around that, he obviously feels he's got a, a very solid chance himself. Here, here closer to home, with the South of Ireland Amateur Championship is taking place in Lahinch Golf. Um, they've gone through the stroke pay element, and now they're into the match play. How's that one unfolding? Yeah, it's going great right so far. Uh, so,
4: today is going to be the. Last 16 in quarterfinals, um, then tomorrow is the finals and finals. Some of the biggest names are still in the field. So, like the Peter O'Keefe from Douglas Bosco, Colm Campbell, um, he won the Irish close there uh, two years ago. These are some of the biggest names in amateur golf. The amateur golfers at the moment are kind of spread across the country and across Europe. There's European Amateurs Championships going on currently in Germany, which a few players are currently over that. A couple of players, This is Matthew McLean and Hugh Foley, are currently qualifying for the U.S. Amateur. And then a couple of other players like Mark Power are playing in the Irish Challenger event up in Hedford. So, yeah, it's it really, really amateur season at the moment. But when it comes to the South of Ireland, this is a one of, the, one of the five majors when it comes to Irish amateur golf. Whoever wins the South of Ireland would generally go on to have, if they're a younger player, go on to have a very strong professional career. Um, I mean, I... Like, um, Paul McGinley and the likes of those players have all won the south of Ireland. Um, so it's the kind of course and kind of championship where if you do work very, very well here as a young player, it it proves quite well as a litmus test for your professional career.
3: OK, excellent. Well, you did mention the uh, Irish Challenge Tour that's taking place in Hedford Golf Club, of course, in Kells County, Meath. Um, I believe Conor Purcell, Portmarnock golfer, is going well, leading our joint leader at the moment. Is that correct?
4: Yes, he is. So, um, yeah. Martin Gossard, kind first of Percival, he's tied for the lead after round two. He tees off in a little over an hour now. He's at uh, nine under par after opening rounds of 66 and 67, so it's five under and four under respectively. And as I mentioned, there's a number of Irish competitors, all who made the weekend, including DP World Tour winner Jonathan Caldwell. He's six under par. Kenny Amateur, Mark Power, he's tied for 34th at two under par. Johnny Yates, Stuart Grant, Nog Carney, and Dermot McRoy are all up there at one under par as well. So there's a lot of Irish talent in there, which is great to see. The number of players who actually played in the Open Championship, including Alexis Patrick, is in the field. He's contending for this uh, Challenge Tour event as well. So mm. if you want to go and watch some really, really good, high-quality golf, the um, Irish yeah, Challenge Tour event up at Hedford is free to enter. Uh, so it's a good chance to watch some good golf up close.
3: Excellent stuff. OK, just finally then, Johnny, um, I think something that, sort of affects the game worldwide um, because there's talk all the time of equipment but the PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monaghan says the PGA Tour won't support the proposed rollback of the golf ball Um, maybe just explain that a little bit for our listeners so that they can understand that
4: Sure, so um, about half a year ago now uh, six months ago, the governing bodies of golf, the USGA and the RNA uh, announced a modular local rule, which means that golf clubs and golf tournaments have the option to use a bifurcated golf ball, which basically means that for the professional golfers and kind of for the bigger tours, players will be playing a golf ball that will be traveling a little less further. So the idea is that golf has gotten to a point where the golf ball travels so far. So a lot of golf clubs are trying to make themselves longer or work towards that, which is already unsustainable when it comes to golf course design and making golf courses longer, eventually if this type of thing doesn't happen, we're going to have 8, 9,000-yard golf horses, which, I mean, you've got a limit to five land. That's not too sustainable when it comes to golf. Mm. The PGA Tour aren't a big fan of that. I think when it comes to just an entertainment product, they like to talk about how far the golf ball goes or how far the golf drives the golf ball.
3: Yeah.
4: There's a little bit of division going on, but for tournaments like the US Open, the Open Championship, the PGA Championship, from 2026 onwards this new bifurcated golf ball, this golf ball that doesn't travel as far, is going to be the ball that's going to be in play. So we could be in a situation where week in, week out, on regular PGA Tour events, players be playing with this non-bifurcated golf ball, but then for four events or three events of the year at least, these players will move over to a golf ball that doesn't travel quite as far. It's interesting. It's a bit of a bone of contention. Roy McIlroy spoke about this previously, and he said that if this golf ball does get introduced, He's going to use the bifurcated golf ball fifty-two weeks of the year because he doesn't want to go from one golf ball one week to another golf ball another week. He wants yeah. to get used to the new golf ball and just play that one all all the year. So it's a funny one, but it's uh, something that just is, is worth being worth, worth keeping an eye on.
3: Hmm, interesting that's right yeah. I can understand Rory's point of view that wouldn't make sense to keep chopping and change you wouldn't you, you wouldn't know your distances you wouldn't be able to judge anything you know. you'd be confused the whole time so certainly one we'll have to watch uh, PGA Tour and Jay Monahan sort of in the spotlight for maybe the wrong reasons a lot and maybe this is another one that they can uh, be in the spotlight for but we'll keep a good eye on that Johnny as always absolute pleasure talking to you thank you for all of
5: that in-depth analysis of everything going on in the golf world at the moment and we'll talk to you again very soon Sunshine 106.8 with thanks to van.ie. it's Declan Drake on GAA on this most special of weekends and what a fantastic weekend it could prove to be as well tomorrow of course at Croke Park from 3.30 Dublin and Kerry renew rivalries to decide the destination of the Sam Maguire for 2023 joining us shortly will be former Dublin skipper Coleman Goggins to put that game under the microscope and to tell us who he thinks will climb the steps of the Hogan Stand to collect Sam tomorrow afternoon. The Dublin ladies have a massive game tonight as well in the semi-final of the TG Carter Championship. They lock horns with their uh, old rivals Cork in Tom Semple's Field in Thurles from seven thirty this evening. Ashton Cleary of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association will be with us later to look ahead to that one. Really looking forward to the trip to Tip this evening ahead of the big one tomorrow. Before all that, though, I'll just have a quick little round-up of what's happening around the capital. First of all, an event taking place this afternoon. It's in Clare Galway, in County Galway. It's from two o'clock. It's the Dublin Masters in round six of their All-Ireland Football Championships. So the best wishes to players, management and the supporters who will make their trip to Galway there this afternoon during the week the Dublin Senior Hurling Championship sponsored of course by Go Ahead continued with games on Tuesday and Wednesday on both sides of the river on Tuesday Luke and Sarsfields under uh, Charlie Carter of course made a 2 from 2 as they beat St Bridget's 124 to 122 Bally Bowden St Enders meanwhile on the other side of the city at Parnell Park uh, beat Vincent's 123 to 313 an absolutely wonderful game of hurling there between those two great rivals Bowden at one stage the league champions of course were 8 points down in the first half but uh, they bounced back well in the second to make it 2 from 2 as well then on to Wednesday Oliver Plunkett's Own Rua overcame Foggs 220 to 117 at O'Toole Park while Kula made it 2 from 2 in their group with a victory over Whitehall Column Kill 23 points to 2 goals and 10 is how that finished Owen O'Donnell uh, netting both goals I believe there for the Whitehall men that takes a cha- break now for a couple of weeks but they're shaping up quite nicely I think in the Hurling Championship and as I say that clash between Bowden and Vincent's, that really whets the appetite for what is to come when we resume. Well, all roads tomorrow afternoon at 3.30 or a little bit earlier will lead to Croke Park Dublin taking on Kerry in the All-Ireland Senior Football Championship Final. It's Dublin's first decider since 2020 and it'll be a whole lot different tomorrow afternoon than what it was back then. Remember the COVID final against Mayo? No. Nobody in Crow Park, only the players and the media. Well tomorrow eighty two and a half thousand will be present. And amongst them is our guest this morning, Coleman Goggins, the former Dublin skipper as well. Good morning, Coleman. I'm sure you feel it's a little bit like Christmas Eve at the moment.
1: Morning, Declan, the gold. You obviously have a ticket for me, seeing as I'm able to go, fair play. Too.
5: <laughs> I'll, I'll WhatsApp the details to you later, yeah, <laughs> no bother at all. Yeah. But as I say, um, it really is like Christmas Eve, isn't it, for for GA Dublin football fans in particular, and great to be back in the decider coma for the first time in, in three years.
1: Yeah, it feels longer than three years, Declan, to be honest. I mean, it's been, I know the, the COVID final was, you know, a strange period of time, but... Uh, Despite the fact that they've dominated, like, these two teams have won nine of the last ten All-Ireland. It still feels like it's a while since Dublin have been there, so it's really great to be looking forward to an All-Ireland final. I know the weather is good today, promised to be dry tomorrow, so hopefully um, conditions suit the game that we're all anticipating. But from a Dublin perspective, you know, be sleepless night tonight, looking ahead into tomorrow at 3.30, certainly.
5: When we left Croke Park last July, Coleman, uh, we were beaten narrowly, of course, by Kerry, agonisingly so, with that last gasp, Johnny Shea Free. Um, we were facing into Division 2 of the Alliance National Football League as well. Things didn't look terribly bright at that particular moment in time, but a couple of um, incidents since, of course, have reignited our, our passion, not that it never really died per se, but, I mean, obviously the return of Paul Mannion, Jack McCaffrey and Stephen Cluxton in particular, and off the field of play as well in in Pat Gilroy. How significant have all those moves been for Dublin this year?
1: Clearly very significant. I'd argue that after the all Ireland Semi Final last year there was probably a bit of dejection thinking that Dublin's uh, run or their ability to get to All-Ireland Finals and then compete or win All-Ireland's might have been challenged given that so many guys had left. There was new players coming into the mix. Didn't look overly promising in terms of league performances as to where the team was building towards. Uh, and maybe that was overly critical at the time. They did only lose an All Ireland semi final by a point. It was a boomer of a free kick that separated the teams on the day. So maybe we weren't as far off as some people thought after that All Ireland semi final. But you know, no one could have foreseen or predicted that Stephen Cluxton back in goals. No one could have seen Paul Mann or Jack McCaffrey come back into the setup. And I'd say even further afield, the Pat Gilroy piece. Add us another dimension in terms of how he maybe deals with players versus what was there previously. So, you know, he's a great manager, very tuned into to what players need to try and get the best out of themselves. And maybe that complements what the current management team are doing in terms of just adding an additional layer to what is being given by them to try and make the players the best that they can be to get to this stage. But when you look at the impact Stephen Cluckson has had, how the impact Mannion and Jack McCaffrey has had, you know, that pace that adds the stability, the leadership. You know the the standards. I imagine that Stephen Cluxton has set since coming back into the setup brings that air of professionalism back into the squad that maybe had dipped just a tiny bit, uh, but brings them back to a level where they're able to compete and gives us the Dublin supporters a huge opportunity to, you know, shout our heads off tomorrow and hope that they can get over the line, even if it's by a solitary point.
5: Of course, very much the, all about the three Musketeers in a lot of respects tomorrow, isn't it? We mentioned one of them there in Stephen Cluxon, but also, you know, Michael Fitzsimons of Kula and uh, Jamesy e. Mack, the skipper from Moon Kickums, as well, standing on the brink of immortality tomorrow. That's one aspect of it. And then on the other side, you've got guys like, you know, Lee Gannon and uh, Darren Newcomb and a few others who are looking for, for their first medal. So there's a tremendous spread in experience and quality through the group.
1: Yeah I think I was just looking at a, a picture there from either 19 or 20 I think there's somewhere in the region of 16 of the guys who are around at that time still involved so there's a real air of uh, experience within the group and, and that's probably to be seen in some of the ways they've dealt with matches but you know for the likes of Lee Gannon who's been outstanding over the last couple of years Darren new also who probably hasn't seen as much championship action as I'd liked it's a huge day tomorrow, huge chances of them to experience the All-Ireland final and what, all, what comes with that as such And then you talk about, you know, the three who are chasing the elusive nine. There has to be an air of uh, want and desire greater than potentially what, you know, Kerry are trying to achieve in back-to-back All-Ireland for those three guys. You know, there's nothing guaranteed in life and you're not, you know, no one's entitled to anything really. But for, for James, Michael and Stephen, you can see them really going to go all out to try and achieve that. You know, that's the outcome really. So you go back sound a bit like Jim Gavin now, you'll go back to a process around what well, to get to the outcome you have to go through the steps to get there. And I think if Dublin apply themselves properly tomorrow, then for those three guys they've a huge opportunity and will be given a huge opportunity to breach that eight and hit the magic nine number because of the way that Dublin can potentially play. And I think they do need to get to that level in order to win the game tomorrow. Yeah,
5: I would agree with you. Um I was reading quotes from Michael Dara McCauley during the week, um, the former All Ireland winner, and Player of the Year as well in his time, saying the fellas would be, you know, fighting each other to mark David Clifford in the final tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know if I'd be fighting anyone to mark <laughs> David Clifford. <laughs> to be I honest with you, yeah, I'd be glad I'd be a midfielder or a forward. I think if if, if I had the ability, Coleman. But uh, you were an All Star defender in, in your time as well. Would you relish the opportunity of taking him on tomorrow? Mm.
1: Look, I'm I'm, I'm a long way down the track, but somewhere in your head you still think, jeez, I'd love to go in and have a shot just to see what it is he brings. Now, don't get me wrong, the the guy is almost unmarkable. He's really precocious talent and arguably is setting himself up to be one of the greatest the game has ever seen. And I don't say that lightly because sometimes we can bandy that around a little bit too loosely. But just in, in terms of his ability, his physique how he he gets himself into the game when maybe stuff isn't going well for Kerry, that leadership capability. He ticks all the boxes around what he's able to deliver on. But certainly as a defender or as anybody who's looking to be competing at the top level, you want to test yourself against the the best there is. And there's no doubt that David Clifford is the best there is. So whether it's Michael Fitzroyamond or somebody else who takes up that role, there's a huge onus on the rest of the Dublin panel and team to try and lessen the impact that he can have by by delaying ball into David Clifford. So to give Michael Fitzsimons an opportunity or whoever's taking up the role, you have to nearly make it a 50-50 contact all the time. And then that gives Michael Feynman a chance to defend him as opposed to David Clifford dictating what happens. I think one of the and I won't call it a criticism of Chrisy McCabe, but one of the, the criticisms maybe have how Derry set up. David Clifford totally dictated the day to Derry that day in terms of the 70, 70-plus 70 minutes. He showed inside for ball. He came out over the 45 looking for ball. He delayed his run into movements to try and get himself on the ball. So he was really in charge of what happened. And at no stage did Chrisy McCabe take him the other way for a run. Now, I know there's a huge risk in taking off on a run and leaving David Clifford unmarked, potentially. But if... Michael Fitzsimons or, you know, Jack McCaffrey late in the game decides to do something. If you take David Clifford for a run and ask him to defend a little bit more and maybe challenge him to extol himself going backwards rather than heading towards the goal, maybe it can just turn the tile your direction. So, would I like to be marking tomorrow... You'd love a shot off him maybe 25 years ago i would love to go off it. Tomorrow I think he'd probably run me ragged fairly handily to be honest with you today.
5: suppose the closest you would have had in your day might have been Morris Fitzgerald, possibly. I mean, he was another genius. What well, I don't know what it is about Kerry, they seem to produce a, a genius per, per generation, don't they?
1: Yeah, it's outrageous really because you, you think a couple of years ago talking about Colin Cooper and what he achieved in the game and how outstanding of a forward he was. Now he nearly doesn't come into the conversation when you're talking about David Clefford because of the level he's got to. And similarly, Maurice Fitzgerald, you know, was usurped by Colm Cooper when he, he started out. So they, they do tend to come with these once-in-a-generation players, but they come with them far too often to be once-in-a-generation, unfortunately. But, as you rightly said, if you're going to win in All-Ireland, you have to compete against the best. David Clifford is the best carrier of the Iranian All-Ireland champions, so the task can't be any greater, but the prize is the ultimate if Dublin can get over the line.
5: Yeah, one of the greatest moments I've seen in my many years of watching Gaelic football was in Thurles 2001, you know, that from underneath the, the, the stand when he put the sideline ball over. I mean, incredible. And Clifford as well. I no, need it. to be bringing that up
1: for the conversation. <laughs> oh, sorry, my, of, course. Of, course. of course.
5: I, I believe he just finished the therapy sessions recently, so, <laughs> so sorry, sorry about that, no, Colby. Ongoing. <laughs> ongoing, 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 are they? Oh, dear, that much of a psychological impact. <laughs> All I remember is the six hours to get home. But anyway, and to get down as well. But that was, that's, that's another day's work oh,
1: the, the great laugh that day was As we were coming home After the drawn game Obviously there was uh, Lots of cars in Kildare Town There was no motorway So it was all through The villages at that time The amount of people Who never made Turles at all I'd say is, is outrageous I was outraged
5: Yeah I remember one or two people Honest to God Ask me how to get to Turles yeah, that's yeah. yeah as in well, true,
1: in true Dublin fashion, you just d- half three. Should be time
5: enough, even. did.: indeed. You know? yeah. so, so some of these people hadn't even been beyond Newlands Cross in their life, you know. So it was a bit strange for them, but uh, as they didn't actually make it in the end, I don't think they found some hostility along the way and uh, settled down to to watch it. Okay, big one tomorrow, three thirty. Come say twenty past four into quarter to 5 10 to five. Where do we have to be coming to kick for home in this game tomorrow?
1: Yeah, I think we have to be on the coattails, if not ahead at that stage. Declan, be honest with you, I think that there's some huge pivotal areas and that middle age is one of them. I think when Dublin press Shane Ryan on his kick-out, we need to make hay when we do turn over the ball from his kick-out. So can that be a couple of points or can we really go for the juggler and try and stick within in the back of the net? And I think you have to challenge them on the score sheet to really get into their heads and then try and turn the, the tide in your favour. I think... Bench-wise, when you compare the two benches and there's you know, plenty of talent and potential on Kerry's bench, I think we have a little bit of experience and know how on our bench maybe above and beyond what Kerry have. So if you get to the last 10 or 15 minutes of the game when you're able to start unloading that bench but have a, a distinct way of playing when the bench come in, and what I mean by that is that full pace and that you're actually taking these guys on, bringing Sean O'Shea back to field and asking them to defend, trying to get in behind guys and asking them to actually defend and not play looking at you, but rather defend trying to come back and turn over ball from you. I think that pace and that directness is going to be required in order to get over the line. So if we can be, you know, there or thereabouts with 10 or 15 to go and then shift the mindset to let's go and win this game, which I do believe the guys have the ability to do, I think we give ourselves a, a huge opportunity. There is no doubt that David Clifford could potentially win an all Ireland for Kerry on his own. He has some fine supporting acts with him Sean O'Shea in particular uh, You know, middle of the field potentially Dublin have an advantage around that area and then we need to really get into Tyg Morley a little bit and not allow him to sit in front of that full back or full forward line not allow him to dictate how Kerry defends so we really need to set the tone we really need to ask the questions and I think then the pace, the ability that comes off the bench and the leadership and desire might just be enough to get us over the line if we have the right mindset in terms of going after
5: the, the final. Coleman is right. Listen to Coleman. Yes, indeed. Hope you're, hope you're right. And we're celebrating a few uh, bevies tomorrow evening as Sam makes its way back to the capital. And uh, do check your WhatsApp messages, my friend. When you're finished, you might find a surprise or two in it there for you. <laughs> might. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you the same thing, but not on air. But <laughs> there you go. <laughs> anyway, listen. No doubt. Uh, I'll make to a uh, gubber a marok le high uh, radio nigel doctor. Yeah, by me the So I'll be up beside just somewhere deckland, hopefully, and
1: Dave to chat to you tomorrow. So. Be be- the inside, hour, the, the inside line. Hopefully
5: by the back end of it we'll be okay. Goggins and Drake on the inside line. Leading the front line in broadcasting coverage tomorrow. Colin, enjoy the game tomorrow. Do look forward to having a coffee and having a chat with you at Crow Park tomorrow. Thank you indeed for joining us this morning on the programme. excellent there, Goggins. Uh, ir of course, All-Star in his time as well. That whets the appetite for tomorrow, doesn't it indeed? Well... What will certainly wet the appetite, I think, is tonight at Semple Stadium in Thurles. The Dublin ladies take on Cork in the semi-final of the TG Carr All-Ireland Championship. Now, seasoned observers of ladies football around Dublin will know that there's been a very intense rivalry between these two since around 2009 or so. For many years, Cork had the upper hand. In the last few years, the tide has shifted the way of the capital ladies. And they meet this evening for a place in the final at Croke Park in a fortnight's time. Now, delighted to be joined on the programme this morning by the um, Leinster L- 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 Lady Gaelic Football Association, PRO Ashling Clary. Good morning to you Ashling. thank you very much indeed for joining us on this special Saturday this morning.
0: Good morning Declan, the sun is shining and it's going to be a good day for Dublin.
5: Yes indeed and before we go into that I think we must pass on congratulations to you as well. Yeah, some big personal news uh, since, since we spoke last.
0: <laughs> um, I'm not sure the uh, d- 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 getting engaged would that be this? yes, yes. <laughs> the first news. yeah I got
5: engaged ah so fair great. play congratulations fair yes, yes, yes. Yeah. you made an honest I man say. of him at last ah well
0: listen it has to happen at some stage I suppose <laughs> very good
5: very good now uh, speaking of engaging uh, this is what uh, see what I did there this is what Dublin yeah. and Cork are all about since 2009 beating this evening at Semple Stadium in Thurlis the progress of Dublin this year has been nothing but impressive Ashling with uh, a relatively new team
0: yeah absolutely you know you cast your mind back to last what was it last uh, August or last the end of July uh, beaten beating by Mead in the or beaten by sorry Donegal in the, the quarter final, um, and you kind of thought oh you know where to for Dublin now you know it's a massive challenge to come back but this season they've been absolutely fantastic they won yet another Leinster title and you know there's been real no stopping them since so, couple of new players at McBowen. I say a couple of players. There's, there's, there's a lot of new players on that Dublin panel this year. Um, and they've really made um, quite considerable progress uh, this year. And, I mean, all bets are off this evening uh, going up against the, the Joranot in Cork.
5: Yeah, and, of course, um, a place in the All-Ireland final, as we say. But th- there's a vacant title there now as well, Ashton, of course, because Mead were beaten uh, earlier on in, in the Championship uh, as well. Yeah, I don't.
0: I, I'm involved in football now, I suppose, about twenty years, and I don't recall as wide open uh, a race for the senior title. Normally, you, you could point to someone as being favourite, but honestly, like anything could come out of the season semi-finals. I, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we had extra time in in one or other of them, which obviously will make for for very exciting viewing for for neutrals and um, maybe not for supporters of the counties, but. Um no it's fantastic and you know it's brilliant for ladies football when what we've had you know the era of dublin versus cork for so long that now it's a little bit more open it's a little bit more exciting and subsequently it's going to raise the profile of, of ladies football which of course is, is, is what i suppose i'm interested in you know
5: yeah it's all about reigniting that rivalry again of course because there's so many players on both sides who haven't experienced that before, you know, the heartbreak of losses from a Dublin perspective and then turning it into victories um, later on as well. On the point of extra time I hope it's the first game rather than the second because if that's the case we won't get home till God knows what time tonight. A few hours yeah, sleep and then off. It might be a bit
0: of a late one. It the under, the All-Ireland under-16 final was on last night. Uh, Cavan, best Cork. Cavan have won their under-16A title for the first time since 1977. Uh, and I think they got back to Calvary at something like 2 in the morning. So we'll hope
5: that Dublin supporters are not that late coming home. Yeah, but, It's um, going to yeah. be a long day tomorrow as it it's is. It's going
0: to be exciting. And at least, listen, the sun is shining. It'll make it a little
5: bit yeah, easier. Hopefully, ho- hopefully so. So as we said, they've gone head-to-head many times. The, the pendulum has swung one way to the other. Mick Bowen, is it 20 years now since he led Dublin into his first All-Ireland final in his first stint when they got... Um, Beaten by Mayo in a rain-sodden day in Crow Park. Obviously, as a Leinster person, that you're hoping that uh, he can be back in Crow Park in a fortnight's time again. What What do you think his team? Where Where do they have to perform to their maximum to win this game?
0: I I suppose looking at looking from Cork uh, in their quarter final against Armagh, the two O'Sullivan sisters, uh, Kira and uh, Darren, at 11 and 14, were probably their their biggest danger players. Um, so definitely defensively, Leah Caffrey, Martha Byrne, um, Eve Crowley, and Issa Kane are really going to have to be uh, on top of the defence. Course will strike very, very quickly. Um, but I mean, we've got electric pace. Uh, then the, the, the wings, Cleve O'Connor, Kate Sullivan, who obviously was player of the match in, in the quarter final there against Donegal. And um, you know they, they've got every chance if they can get the ball out of defence quickly. That's the likes of Cleva and Kate. Um, and Carla even as well can 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 turn the game into attack very very quickly. Um, I suppose looking at the quarter final against Donegal, the the, the big uh, lesson was how quickly Dublin got off to, to got off the ground. They were very very quick out of the trap. and if they can do that again against Cork uh, and kind of try and build them up themselves with a little bit of a lead, it'll just make it just a little bit easier perhaps for Cork to to strike back. But uh, yes, yeah, definitely the, 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 Leah Caffrey is, is is going to lead the game of her life today, I think,
5: against that Cork uh, attack. Yeah, we spoke about the, the lads earlier on the COVID final of 2020 uh, when they beat uh, Mayo at Crow Park. And it was, of course, the same for, for the girls as well. That was their last All-Ireland title was, was played in front of nobody that particular December evening yeah. as well. How times have changed and, and thankfully so as well.
0: Absolutely, that was one of the most haunting games of of football I think I've ever witnessed, uh, you know, Dublin versus Cork, and you know, it it was a really exciting final as well, there was only five points between them I think at the end, Um, but yeah, we don't want to go back to them days, I'm hoping that Perlis is going to be uh, nice and loud this evening because it was very haunting in Croke Park that day, and particularly it was December as well, everything was very, very dark. Uh, as well. So yeah. yeah, no, definitely brighter days uh, this afternoon.
5: The week before the week before Christmas I remember as well. It was right. very, yeah, very yeah, very, very strange. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um I was I was talking to um some people from Round Towers last night, Frankie Roebuck and co who were out with Round Towers who won the Junior E Club Championship here in Dublin last night defeating my own Crumlin out in St. Mark's and Derek Murray as well and uh, Joe Keane, the, the chairperson of the board obviously out there as well all really looking forward to their trip to tip and getting home early tonight they yes. hope with with yes. a victory in the bag. Aisling, uh, we, we shall see you. Will you be in Turles later yourself?
0: I won't be in Turles but I am uh, hooked up to the TV and and ready for, for action so of course. I'll be... Uh,
5: Shouting from, from you probably hear me from here. Began, Cleha, er TG Catherinacht, eith tost so. nu er Lathur <laughs> Therese Indeed. <laughs> very good. Very good, very ah, good. Well, I have to pay due homage to the sponsors as well, I suppose. Absolutely. a meal, meele good. Thank you very much, need for joining us on this bright Saturday morning in Dublin. Let's hope that it is bright for Dublin ladies come uh, whatever time it is in Thurles this evening.
0: Not at all. Thanks a million, Declan. Cheers. Thank,
5: thank you very much indeed er, to Ashton Clary, the PRO of the Leinster Ladies Gaelic Football Association. That's it from GAA with Declan Drake this week. Thank you very much indeed for being with us over the last 20 minutes or so. Best wishes to Mick Bone and the girls tonight and a special best wishes to Desi and the boys tomorrow afternoon in Crow Park. Hope to see James McCarthy going up the steps uh, of the Hogan stand to collect Sam for the first time in three years as a Dublin captain.
3: Time to turn attention to football now, and delighted to join on the line by the one and only Alan Colley. Good morning, Al. How are you? I'm good, Reggie. How are you? Uh, not so bad. Bit disappointed after the week that's in it. Um Watching the the, the women, uh, it was so hopeful in the beginning. We got off to such a great start. Um, the weather turned brutal, and so did our look. Then after that, with that own goal. So uh, all in all, what are your thoughts on the tournament?
6: Yeah, it was disappointing. um I suppose the manner in which we went out, Reggie. But I think overall. The girls can be very proud of how they played in the two games, really. I think the killer was the Australian one because that was the one that we needed to get the point from after the really good performance. And it was just so unfortunate that it just it was a clumsy mistake that cost us that game because I think the least we deserve from that was the point. Obviously, you take it into the Canada game. Then we started so great, as you say. Got the early goal, gave them real confidence. Halfway through the first half, then we decided to sit back a little bit and, and obviously went very deep allowed Canada to get back into the game. And to be fair, I don't think we can have any complaints about the second half. Canada were the better team. And we never really found that response in the second half that we got against Australia when we fell the goal down. So I think out of the the four halves that they've played, I think three of them were very good. The one, obviously, the second half against Canada, not so good. Um, And it's just, you're facing stiff opposition as well, Reggie. We all know it was going to be a tough group. I suppose before the tournament, we were looking at maybe possibly picking up a draw against Australia potentially losing to Canada and beating Nigeria but look at what Nigeria have done in the group as well so it was a tough tough group Um, and even from covering all the other games Reggie like I wouldn't really go on um, rankings because they can be misleading at times because I've watched teams like Haiti uh, Jamaica some of the outsiders really putting on great performances so you're at the elite level it's the World Cup it's a tough ask it's their first tournament I think Vera did great getting there Um, and I think out of the two games they did quite well the only complaint I would have with Vera and um, obviously people are, are questioning why she can be a bit negative at times, but that's nothing new. That's going back the last three or four years since she's come in. That's always been her way. The only criticism I would have is playing Katie McCabe at left full, left wing back. She's your best player. She proved that in the two games, and she needed to be more central and more involved, even more involved in what she was, and I think she would have been had she been central, and the same can be said for Denise O'Sullivan. They're the only two gripes I would have. But overall, I
3: think they did really well. So they head into the final game against Nigeria, who, as you said, uh, a little bit of a surprise package for some. Funnily enough, I I always kind of had in the back of my head that they might be the tricky ones. Um, But uh, what do you do? I mean, there's a squad of players gone out there. Some haven't had any game time yet. Um, Do you give them that experience of playing in a World Cup? Or do you put out your best team and try and get a result, even though... They can't progress any further. What what do you think needs to happen for for selection?
6: Yeah, I think she's very professional, Vera, and I think that's what she's going to approach the game as on, on Monday. I don't think there'll be room for kind of sentimentality, Reggie. Depending on coming near the end, maybe if you were winning well or losing, maybe you might throw someone on, give them a bit of game time. But I think she'll start the game with her strongest team that she thinks that'll get a result. It's going to be a tough game. Obviously, Nigeria are in a position where if they win, they'll feel like they can qualify as well. Having beaten Australia, that'll put them on six points and, and they will qualify. So it's a huge game for both teams, but I think that'll be the approach from Vera, And I think it's the right one as well. Uh, you have to remain professional. I know we're out of the tournament, but I think it would be good if we, if we did get the victory as well. It would put a little bit of gloss maybe on the campaign because the two performances have been quite good. We just haven't got the results, where, whereas it would be lovely to get results.
3: Okay, well, we will just have to wait and see uh, which way that goes. Okay, closer to home, then uh, last night some interesting results: Shelburne getting the two-nil win over uh, Cork City, Bowes two-nil over UCD, and a draw between uh, Rovers, Sligo Rovers, and uh, Dromody United. Two all. Uh, it, you know, good win for Shelburne away from home, but the. I suppose, uh, myself and Declan were talking a little bit earlier on, it, it's certainly tightened up again at the top. Just four points now, Rovers in the lead, and Pats and Derry chasing them down, and Bowes just a point behind them. It's uh, pretty tight at the top still.
6: Yeah, it's very tight, Reggie. <clears throat> I suppose that's because of the fact that Shamrock Rovers have been stuttering so bad all season. And you obviously saw their disappointing New York results as well during the week, and they went out in a Cup last week. So they're really having problems, and that gives everybody else a chance. It's just, is anybody else good enough to overtake them? That's the question, because all the other teams have been quite inconsistent as well. But I think that's a big result for Bowles last night. Obviously, beating UCLE, they would expect that. But I suppose the big positive is that Affalabi is after getting his, I think that was his sixth um, or seventh goal last night, wasn't it, in six games. So he's on fire, which is a really good positive for them, because before that run, he had only two goals. So if he maintains that form, he could potentially fire them to glory. Past will feel like they're in with a chance as well and also Derry, if they were to go on a run with the squad of players they have, so I think it's wide open purely for the fact that Shamrock Rovers have been so poor this season and not hit anywhere near their standard that we're, we're used to expecting with them, and I think there there's big question marks, certainly under European performances, because they're gone out on a whimper this year, um, I know that the second leg to come with their 4-0 down, but they obviously went out of the Champions League as well, uh, pretty disappointingly to the Icelandic team, so I think there's question marks on, on that, it's hard to question them on winning three league titles, but you can certainly question our European stuff because it's been, it's been well below
5: par. Holland, good morning to you. Hi, Declan. How are you doing? Uh, two, two quick points. One, uh, yeah, off a it is seven and 7-6, but uh, it was a real victory for patience for Bohemians last night. 75 minutes it took them to break down the students, but they got there in the end, which is the object of the exercise. The other one I was going to mention, I couldn't let this occasion pass, was the retirement of Owen Doyle during I'm so the week. so glad you
6: brought it up, Declan. I, I actually yeah. felt you would.
5: Yeah, yes, of course. Well, Owen has a special place in my heart, of course, for one particular season he had cross channel, but outstanding quality player um, over the years for all the clubs he's played with, and uh, it really is sad to see him not finish out the season at Pats.
6: Yeah, I'm so glad you brought it up. As you say, not only was he an outstanding player and carved out a great career for himself, an outstanding person as well, Declan. He's a really, really great fella, as you know, um, and obviously he came home from from England after carving out a really gr- great career for himself scored goals at all levels in England, was very successful, then came home to pass. Obviously, things didn't maybe work out as well, but um, that's neither nor there, and he's obviously decided to pack it in for personal reasons, but overall, he's been absolutely fantastic servant. And uh, I think the little line he had on Twitter or Instagram there this morning that finished off his little post was, I gave it a go, and that sums him up perfectly. Uh, That's one thing you would always get with Owen when he goes out to pitch, that he was giving his best he'd always be in the right place to get your goal, an important goal. And overall, I just think he's a great fellow,
5: Declan. One thing I'd like to say about him as well, I hope that someone can pick this up, the wealth of experience that he has had, cross-channel and the likes of Parik Amund and other people like that as well, that experience can be utilised now, um, Alan, to help the younger generation coming through to make the transition from Irish football to uh, English football, English league football.
6: Yeah, 100%, Declan, because I suppose it's becoming very common now that the young lads that are leaving our league they're not going to the elite level in the Premier League they're going to maybe League 1, League 2 where the boys have all the experience, championship level as well so uh, I, I 100% agree with that and even in terms of <coughs> just goal scoring alone Declan because it almost feels like it's a dying art. like we're, we're obviously talking about Alpha there but to me Pat Hoban is probably still the main man in the league and that doesn't say much for the rest of them really when Pat has been doing it for years so centre forwards are hard to come by in a if anyone can coach you how to be a centre forward or how to be maybe, I'm not sure you can coach someone to be in the right place at the right time, but certainly give you an idea of maybe how to play the role, Owen Doyle is certainly the man.
3: Yeah, and we wish Owen uh, the the very best. Um, just to go back uh, on the women's game, uh, Alan, to finish out, having watched the games and they're coming to an end now of pool stages uh, throughout the groups, who's the real standout team for you? Which way do you see it progressing?
6: Yeah, the most impressive team that I've watched so far, there's been two, um, really Spain have been outstanding, I expected that really before the tournament, ended there's their two star strikers back, Hermoso and Patella this year, which they didn't have in the Euros, so they've been very, very impressive, Reggie, obviously the USA are going to be there, thereabouts, but the other one who caught me eye the other day, I covered the game, and there's a big game coming up now at 11 against France and Brazil, uh, Brazil were fantastic as well in their opening game and that's going to be a cracker now at 11. I'm watching Sweden here they're beating Italy 4-0 and Sweden have been very good too um, and they'll be there or thereabouts but so far the two that have caught my eye have been Spain and Brazil.
3: And overall the standard of uh, of football you've been impressed with the quality of that as well good advertising for the game and uh, its progression?
6: Yeah absolutely Reggie and especially I suppose the teams I'm saying that the, some of the weaker teams have put up really good performances and to me that just indicates that the gap is closing and I don't think you'll see a situation like we saw in in the last World Cup or previous ones where teams are shipping eight, nine goals. You certainly won't see that in this tournament. I know Italy are losing 4-0 here to Sweden, but uh, you won't see the hammering that we've seen in previous tournaments, which tells me the gap is certainly closing
3: absolutely okay well uh, as always Alan uh, great chatting to you about that still plenty to go in the SSC we'll be keeping a close eye on that um, and we we'll have watched the progression of the Women's World Cup as well so we'll catch up with you again uh, very shortly and uh, no doubt you'll be shouting for the Dubs tomorrow as well I'll be
6: shouting for
3: the
2: Dubs tomorrow Eddie <laughs> yeah there's
6: no doubt about that
3: okay Alan <laughs> you mind yourself and we'll catch up with you again very soon
2: Thanks for listening to Dublin Stock in Sport and Sport on Sunshine 106.8 from myself Ken and Reggie. Have a good weekend. <laughs>